All right, good morning. Good to see you all this morning. <clears throat> good to see the flannel out there. You got the word. You got the word. If you're not wearing flannel, you either said, I don't care, or you didn't get the word. And it's okay, either way. So thanks for being here. I'm Pastor Dave. If you're new, um, you, might, you might remember a guy named Brian. Anybody remember a guy named Brian? <clears throat> a couple of you. Brian's actually worshiping with Steve Harley this morning. Isn't that weird? <laughs> he had the Sunday off. Uh, Brian did. He's not working starting until next week. And uh, Steve's church, Licking Valley, is close. And so he, he and his family are up there worshiping today. And so we're praying for them, both Steve and Brian. And uh, we ask your prayers for our leadership and for us as we replace Brian here and uh, we just appreciate Luke. Luke's doing a great job, and Aubrey <clears throat> holding down the fort here and doing a fantastic job. Don't you think they're doing a great job? <clears throat> now, Luke taught me something this morning. Uh, you know, when he was praying, I learned that I'm a dirty rat. <laughs> did you say dirty rat? Yeah, I did. We're dirty rats. <clears throat> I don't know if he said rat or rags. We're, you know, our, our best is... Dirty, like dirty rags. But uh, I, I thought, well, that's a good way to put it. We're all dirty rats. We're just a dirty rat. And that's why we need to come to church, right? Amen. We need church. So thanks for being here today. Uh, the next few weeks, we're going to be in a series called the Thinking Series. Thinking Series. So we're gonna, we want you to think some, right? We want to think. And it's not just thinking about, you know, why is the sky blue, or why does, uh, you know, the toilet paper work better when it comes over the top? Or, you know, why does he leave his socks on the floor after so many years? All those questions are good questions, <clears throat> but, you know, you, they don't really matter in the great scheme of things. But the questions we're going to talk about matters. They, they all matter. And we've, uh, you know, we're the beneficiaries of some studies that have been done, and people are asking big questions. Now, you would think that... Uh, you know, as smart as we are, as much access as we have to technology and to the internet, that all the big questions have been answered. And that's amazing, isn't it? And those of you who are, you know, in your 50s like I am, <clears throat> or past, or even younger, a little bit younger, you remember when encyclopedias were important, don't you? Anybody ever buy a set of encyclopedias? Yeah. yeah you, you, how many of you don't even know what an encyclopedia is? How many of you know what Wikipedia is? Yeah. So Wikipedia is where you find your answers, but you know, normal people like you and me answer those questions. There's a lot of questions out there that seem important, but what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, five weeks to be exact, right past uh, you know, the end of November, are some big questions. And as you saw from the bumper video, the first one we're going to tackle is what is the meaning of life? Now, all these questions kind of bounce off each other. The questions we're going to talk about, this is called the thinking series. And one question is going to lead to the next question, is going to lead to the next question, and all the way to the fifth question. Now, you might think, well, I don't need the answers to these questions. I already know what the meaning of life is. I know if there's a God and that he exists, we're going to answer, why is there evil, pain, and suffering? And is there life after death? Do all religions lead to God? These are all questions that a lot of people are asking. You may know the answer, but you probably know someone who's looking for the answer. And if you don't know someone, <clears throat> you might meet someone 
Because that's what we're to be about, really, is to interact with people who have questions to these, uh, you know, that have these questions and don't have answers. People who don't believe at all. You know, our our, uh, 2022 theme was pray for one. And that's, this, what we're going to do in 2023 is going to build on that theme. And I'm excited to tell you about it if you're a parent here especially. 2022 is pray for one. That is a great evangelistic strategy. That was our strategy as a church to, to, to kind of pinpoint that person in our life that we hope and pray for a relational bridge to be built. And we were part of building that bridge. <clears throat> pray for one. You see the names here. There are names at every campus, and there should be a lot more names. And hopefully we can erase those names. But when we erase them, that means they've come over the bridge. They've come to church. They've come to Christ. They've come to a relationship with Christ. And so that's our theme. But let me tell you what our 2023 theme is. This is, uh, this is a- an attempt of our church not just to win people to Christ, but to ground people in Christ. We're calling it foundations. Foundations. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 6, verse 48, Jesus tells the parable about the man who built his house uh, you know, on sand and the man that built his house on the rock. And remember, in Luke 6, 48, it says the man who built his house on the rock had to dig deeper. He had to dig deeper. And so he built his house by going deep and laying a foundation, and when the storms came, his house stood. And I want to tell you something. If you're a parent here today, if you're anybody that lives out there in the world and you interact with people, the storms are already here. They're not just coming, but our, our kids, our young people are being blown against. They're being attacked in a lot of ways by the devil and his forces. The storms are here. So I don't know if you realize this. But they're here. They're already blowing. And parents, you especially, but small group leaders as well, because we're going we're gonna to teach a sermon on this every last Sunday of the month in 2023 on these different topics. And these topics will be topics that are hot topics, that are big topics, that questions that people are asking that we have the answers to. Questions like, you know, we, we're going to, in a lot of ways, we'll deal with, uh, we'll deal with some hot topic questions like the transgender issue. And uh, we'll, we'll deal with, uh, you know, the meaning of marriage between a man and a woman. And we'll, we'll deal with uh, some big questions. And you might think, oh, gee, I'm not ready to talk to my kids about that. I'm not ready. But you better get ready because somebody else is talking to your kids about that. And I was watching Bluey the other day. We have any Bluey fans? <clears throat> I love Bluey and Bingo. Yeah, I love Bluey and Bluey. My grandkids love Bluey, and uh, but the commercials, the commercials, even on a network that plays Bluey, the commercials are teaching our children an agenda, and it is not an agenda that you want them to learn. And so we have to flip the channel real fast or distract them. So in 2023, we're going to do something called Foundations, where not only are we going to be talking about this as adults on Sunday morning and in our small groups, but your children, your children are going to be learning on their level these things. Uh, you know, and all of our staff have worked on this. Aubrey and Luke especially have worked on this to, to get, this, get this, this ministry, this theme going, this program 
Because we want to be ready for the storms that are already here. And we want your kids to be ready. So if you're kind of worried about that or afraid about that as a parent or a small group leader leading a group of people in these discussions, the Sunday night of that Sunday morning, which is the last Sunday of the month, that Sunday night we're going to ask you to come in once a month and discuss these things with, with our with our staff, with our people who are trained up in this, all right? I'm going to ask you to come in as a parent and ask your questions. How can I talk to my kid about this? How can I address this with my small group or with my friend at work? And so it's foundations. I'm excited about it. And we're going to be uh, diving deeper, digging deeper so that our church can go deeper as a church. Because listen, folks, the storm's here. The storm is here and the devil is beating against your family and he wants you to buy in to the nonsense. He wants you to buy in to the unbiblical, anti-biblical nonsense that's floating around in our culture, in our schools, in our universities, in the workplace and everywhere else around us. You hear me? Thumbs up. Now, guys, when I was a kid, I sat in church every Sunday. We didn't have family Sundays. Every Sunday, and I learned how to sleep with my eyes open. <laughs> so, let's see who can do that today. And, uh, and, and I also learned to listen. I learned to listen to something that the preacher said. So, we're going to talk about what's the meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? People are asking this question. You may not be aware of the statistics, but the rate of suicide over the last three or four years has gone up. People are taking their life because they get to the point in their life where they're like, I, you know, there's no meaning. I don't, there's nothing here for me to live for. And so suicide rate is going up. And you would think in a country like ours with all the, the great things we have, with everything that, that uh, you know, makes our life happy, with all the, the good stuff, the technology. I mean, we're, we're raising families today. And some of you are raising families with so much more than families of two or three generations had when it comes to technology and entertainment and stuff like that. Yet there are still people who get to this question and they answer this question, there is no meaning. There must not be any meaning to life. Uh, There's not anything worth living for. Now this isn't new. A guy by the name of Solomon, King Solomon, he, he thought about this question as well. King Solomon wrote a couple books. You know, he wrote the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, and he also wrote Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is the book we read from when we did our focus verse this morning, and I want to talk about one verse in that a little bit later in the message, but here's how he starts this book. Now, this is Solomon. Solomon, by the way, if you remember, was the son of David. David solidified, in other words, he made certain and firm the borders of Israel. It was the greatest nation, a superpower nation of its time, about 1000 BC. It was the greatest nation on the earth. And when he handed it over to Solomon, not only did Solomon keep those boundaries secure, but he extended the boundaries. He had so many arrangements with the daughters of certain kings all over the world. And so he was the most powerful man of his day. Most powerful man. Also, he was the wisest man. Bible tells us he was wiser than any other person. People would come for miles around. Even the queen of Sheba came to listen to Solomon talk. I mean, have you ever had anybody, have you ever had anybody say, I just want to, I just want to listen to you talk. You're so smart. I just want to listen to you talk. 
Probably they haven't said that about you. They haven't said it about me. In fact, they've said the opposite. Would you hurry up and finish talking? I hear that more often. But Solomon was the most powerful. He was the wisest. And let me tell you what else he was. He was very rich. He was very rich. He, he says in this book, he says, I, I had anything I wanted, as much of it as I wanted, whenever I wanted it, for as long as I wanted it. I don't, I don't know about you, but when I drive past that billboard that says that the jackpot, Powerball jackpot is, uh, what's it at now? $800 million dollars. I mean, you and I, we just can't fathom that kind of ruination, you know, when it comes to that kind of money, can we? And that's really what it would be. But can you imagine having the bank account of an Elon Musk? Can you imagine having anything you wanted anytime you wanted for as long as you wanted? It's hard for us to imagine that because we're normal people. We're average people and, and many are, uh, you know, many are month to month, paycheck to paycheck people. So we can't imagine what that would be like, but we, we like to try. But when Solomon, who was all that in a bag of chips on top of that, he said this when he write, wrote his book. He said, vanity of vanities. That word vanity means <clears throat> useless. Useless. All is vanity. What does a man, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? What a great way to start a book, huh? It's all worth nothing. Then he continues in verse 8, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, look, this is new, it has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. And that was the way he started his book, and it's a pretty gloomy outlook. It's like there's nothing I can do that's new or that anybody will really remember. There, there, my life really is, is pointless. Solomon, I think, is asking the question, what's the meaning of life? I don't know if we have any Shakespeare fans in the room. You know, Shakespeare used to be taught in schools, but uh, not many people know him. But you might remember Macbeth, or maybe you remember part of this quote. When Macbeth's wife died, he, Shakespeare had him saying this. He said, out, out, brief candle. Life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And that's what Macbeth was saying. He was kind of echoing what Solomon said, is that life is just a short vapor. That's what the brother of Jesus, James, called it. It's just a vapor. You live, you die, and what's it matter? Very gloomy life. And you know, they're right if, if all you have is what you can see and what you can hear and what you can taste and what you can touch and what you can experience in this life. If that's all you've got, and they're exactly right. Life is pointless. Yeah, I don't want you going away from here just hearing that because you know you've got to let me finish why can't all that life has to offer, 
all the power, all the wisdom, all the money? Why can't it satisfy us? Why do we have people who have all that, yet they say, you know, it's, there's still an empty place in my life? I like the guy on the video who thought life's meaning was found in experiences and climbing the highest mountain and swimming the coldest lake or whatever he was out to do. That, that's what life is all about. But as he found out and as we find out and as everybody knows, if that's all there is, then, then there's not much to it. One of the great Christian thinkers of the last generation, C.S. Lewis, put it this way. He said, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger, well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well, there is such a thing as water. Adult people, I had to put that in there, feel sexual desire, well, there's such a thing as married adult sex. And if I find myself, sorry, C.S. Lewis, I had to clarify. If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So if we have a desire that nothing in this life can satisfy, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us, number one, that meaning actually does exist. If we have a desire for meaning, but we can't find meaning, God wouldn't have made us with that desire unless the object of that desire existed. So meaning must exist And secondly, it says that our life's meaning has to be found outside of us. If you can do all you can do and chase after everything you can get and climb all the highest mountains and get all the money in the world and and get all the information, if you can get all that but still you have a lack for meaning, it must mean that you can't get meaning on your own. It has to come from outside. Now, Jesus taught on this. Jesus is going to answer all of Solomon's questions, because Solomon kind of left us in the dark. Solomon wasn't sure. He wasn't sure. So Jesus teaches what Solomon needed to know, and thankfully, you and I live on this side of the cross. I hope you're glad for that. We live on this side of the cross, and we have the benefit of knowing Jesus. We have the benefit of knowing him. It was in Mark chapter 12 where he had made some of the Jewish leaders angry. He embarrassed them really publicly because they were using religion for their own needs. And so Jesus told this parable. The Bible says, or or Jesus had this interaction with them. It wasn't a parable. The Bible says they sent to him some of the Pharisees. You see, this was a setup. They were trying to trick him. They were trying to trap him. And that's what the Bible says. Sent some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Now, if they had stopped right there, they would have been fine. He would have said, Good, that's good, boys. You did good. You know exactly who I am. Remember, they were sent on a mission to trap him. So they asked him, Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius. A denarius was a coin, maybe like a quarter. And let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. See, Jesus is turning it around and trapping them. Jesus said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. 
and they marveled at, at him. Now, you gotta, you gotta know why this was a trick question. Remember, the Romans are in charge and they're taxing the people. And so if, if when they asked the question, should we pay taxes, if Jesus had said, yes, you gotta pay your taxes, then the people who were listening to him, the common people, the poor people who were really being oppressed by the Romans and really didn't like the Romans at all, they would have gotten mad at him saying, you're siding with the Romans. You want us to give them another quarter. You want us to give them another day's wages. But if Jesus had said, no, don't pay your taxes, then the Herodians, the Pharisees who came to trap him would have reported that back to the Romans that you got a teacher here who's drawing a lot of people and he is, he is telling them to be treasonous. He's telling them not to pay their taxes. So either way, Jesus answers, he loses. If he says no, he loses with the people. If he says, if he says uh, or yes, he loses with the people. If he says no, he loses with the, with the Romans and with the Jewish leaders. So he turned it around on them. It's not just what he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God, but it's what he implied. What did he imply? And we're going to bring up the children's team today, the student children's team, and they're going to do a little thing because it's family Sunday and some special person has been already nominated for this. And so I'm going to give it over to them to illustrate what I've been talking about. All right, so to help with what we're talking about this morning with Pastor Dave, we have already asked someone to come and join us today and that person is... There he is, Connor Drennan, come on up. Let's give a hand for Connor. All right, as Dave has already explained, as Christ followers, we believe that life has meaning and we must have been created. So let me ask you this question. How many of you brought yourself into existence? Nobody? No one? I was expecting a hand or two. Yeah, I guess not. Well, exactly, none of us have. So it is impossible for ourselves to give ourselves meaning, right? Just like Dave was talking about, it comes outside of ourselves. So God is our creator, gives us meaning. So on this table, Luke's got some pieces and it's actually a picture of Connor Drennan. Now he's got it cut. Well, yeah, it was. (laughs) He's got it cut up into about, I think five, six pieces, pieces. okay. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put this picture back together, okay? We want it to look like you, Connor. So the first thing you're going to do is you're just gonna go stand over there by Luke, okay? I want you to cross your arms. This is the look when mom's saying something that you don't like. All right, I want you to sit back and wait. Just wait. We're gonna wait on this picture to We're gonna see if your picture can put itself together. Maybe if you lean in and stare at it, it'll do what you want it to do. Nothing's happening. Okay. Well, stare a little harder. Let's see. Hmm. Hmm. I I guess that's not going to work. So uh, it's not going to create itself. So maybe we need to help it a little bit. Okay. Let's try this. Let's see if we can take these pieces right here uh, and let's just you you go ahead and take them there. I want you to just toss them in the air and maybe they'll like come together and create them. Okay, no, it didn't create itself fail. there again. didn't come together there. Uh, maybe if we tried it again, you want to you give it another quick Let's little toss? Let's yeah. try it again. We'll see if it'll work. Yeah, okay, no, that's not going to work. Oh, that's no. not going to work at all. 
Uh, no luck. No luck. So maybe, maybe we actually need to do something here. Maybe we need to try to get this picture together ourselves. So I've got some tape, some better tape, hopefully this service and last service. Uh, it didn't want to I heard stick. I got yelled for, Aubrey! Well, it's, I do have two-sided tape, but that's what didn't work. So we're, we're going to go ahead and start. I want you to go ahead and start kind of piecing this picture together here a little bit, okay? See if we can. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 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 I think so. I think so. Might want to start it down here if you think it's the bottom right corner. I didn't tell you what it was, but <laughs> if you think it's the bottom right corner. Yeah. I think it's the bottom right corner, right there. Yeah, right there, right there. Perfect, there we go. All right, and then we've got that one. I'm not sure where that goes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're kind of looking right there. Oh, let's see, let's see. All right. Uh, close, close. Maybe maybe slide this one up a little bit. Or, Do you yeah, know what you look down. like, Connor? Move it. There you go. There you go. Nice. Nice. There we go. All right. So we've got one more. Here's one. Oh, nice. Easy fit. Easy fit. Perfect. Oh, it's starting to come together. Starting to come together a little bit. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, yeah, let's see what you got there. Ah. Oh. Okay. All right. Oh, that makes sense. Hey, there we go. All right. Oh, here, stand Check the it sun. Out. Look at there. Nicely done. It looks great. I'll say you look better not cut up, okay? <laughs> I was going to say, I think we can all agree that this isn't actually Connor, but it's just an image of what he looks like. So instead, uh, you took this picture and you created it. In other words, you took your hands with the help of, <laughs> of Luke and you got these pieces in the right place and you can see that you gave it meaning instead of just a bunch of cut up pieces, right? And so now this picture has a purpose. And again, this is not Connor himself. This is Connor. And so this is just an image reflecting what he looks like, just like we are made in the image of God. All right, you can have a seat. Thanks, Connor. All right. And Connor, maybe one day you'll have your picture, your image on a coin. What would you have to do to Get that today. Get your image on a coin. And that's what Jesus was teaching. That's what he was implying is that this image belongs to Caesar. Therefore, that belongs to Caesar. Give it to him. But you bear the image of God. That's what we read in Genesis 127. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And so, as believers, we know the answer to this question. What is, uh, what is the meaning of life? But it takes two things, as you heard, for life to have meaning. It takes two things. If you're talking to a friend who's not sure, or maybe they're outside the circle of the community of the church, and they're wondering about this, here's where you start. Number one, it takes a creator. It takes a God, the existence of a creator. Now, remember I said at the beginning that these, that these sermons are going to build on one another. Next week, we're going to answer how can we know that there is a God? How can we know that there's a God? 
We're going to answer that. There's lots of ways to know. And next week, we're going to answer that question. <clears throat> but let's assume right now that it is, it is true. We don't have to prove it like we're going to do next week. But in order to have meaning for your life, there needs to be a God. And I want to tell you something, folks. There's a God. St. Augustine said a thousand years ago, God, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Now, understand something. This is not a sermon about purpose. This is a sermon about meaning. Your life's purpose could be any number of things. You know, I was teasing with Jay Oaks earlier who led our worship. Jay, it almost seems like his purpose is to sing. Don't you think? I mean, he's got that voice. He's just, he's got it down. His purpose is to sing, and he's really leading out and living his purpose by leading worship here. And you could go look at a lot of different people and say, you were made for that. You were born for that. But that's your purpose. And we're not talking about purpose. You may be doing, hopefully you are doing, what God made you to do. But why does it matter if you're doing that? It only matters if your life has meaning. And so this sermon is not about purpose. You need to find that. It's before you can find your purpose, before you do find your purpose, you should understand that there's meaning. In Acts chapter 13, verse 36, the Bible says that David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. David was a, a shepherd and he was a, a writer and singer of songs, but what God had tapped him for was to lead his people, was to be the king, and he did that in his lifetime, and then he died. What's your purpose? Find your purpose. It could be any number of things that make your heart really beat and make you feel like, I'm doing what God made me to do. But it only matters because you have meaning. That's why it matters. And the second thing uh, that you need for life to have meaning is eternal life. What's going to happen after you're gone? What's going to happen in our focus passage when we read that God put eternity in the hearts of men? I've always got stuck on that verse because I wondered what Solomon meant there. I think I understand now, but I'm still learning. Solomon was saying, you know what? God has put something in our heart deep down in there that wonders if there's life eternal, wonders if there's something after we die. Now, you may not be thinking about this question right now, but I promise you, you will. You'll be thinking about it when you get to that point in your life where you know death is near or when death could be near. You know, the Bible says in 321, who knows, Solomon said, who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down. Solomon wasn't sure if there was eternal life or not, but we're sure. We're sure because of Jesus. He's, he's been here. He lived. He died and he lived again, and people saw him. And so we know there's eternal life. But unfortunately, many of us don't really, we don't really think about that until, until we have to. You know, last Christmas, this past Christmas, I was at my parents' house with all of our family, and I was riding little Emmett. You know, he's our little uh, now two-and-a-half-year-old grandson on the ATV. How many of you have ever ridden a four-wheeler, ridden an ATV? Well, they, they're very fun, but they can be very dangerous, too, can't they? <clears throat> and so I'm riding my little two-year-old, uh, he wasn't quite two at the time, grandson around, and, and you know they put the throttle on those things, don't you? They put the throttle right here at the thumb. So at his height, he was sitting in front of me. He had eyeballs on that the whole time. And I didn't realize that. I wasn't even thinking about that until 
until it happened. And we were sitting sideways in the driveway. In front of me was a rock wall. Behind me was kind of a, a steep hill with a little bit of a, I call it a mini cliff. There were rocks, and then it was, there was a drop-off, and then down into what we call a sinkhole, big area down below. And so I was sitting sideways to stop my other grandson from going down over the driveway, and I had it in reverse. And I was watching uh, Ezra, the oldest one, when little Emmett was, you know, he's never happy unless he's moving. Anybody have any kids like that? You know, unless he's asleep. And he just happened to reach up and just push that little throttle as hard as he could. Before I realized it, we were going backwards over the hill. I remember thinking, I've got I've to protect him. Who knows what's going to happen and so when we finished, when this was over, I was sitting on the ground. Emmett was about 10 feet away from me, crying, kind of in shock crying. His mother happened to walk out when this happened, right when it happened. <laughs> Had to be that way. And my other daughter, Taylor, was already out there. She saw it all happen, and she was screaming, and Jordan was screaming, and I was just sitting there thinking, what happened? What happened? And I want to tell you something. A few years before that, I don't know how long, maybe five, maybe ten, a seed fell in the ground. And from that seed, a tree started growing. And that tree was about that big around. And when that four-wheeler came down the hill, it turned Probably, I mean, I think it turned this way, probably because I, was, I had Emmett with one hand and uh, steering with this hand, and it turned. And had it not been for that little tree, when I looked up, that four-wheeler was sitting right on top of me. It would have turned over on top of me and maybe killed me. You know, everybody thinks, well, not going to happen to me, but how many of you know someone who's died in an ATV accident or you know of someone? Lots of folks have. And I began to think, you know, for the next month, I was just in a funk. I was like, wow, what dummy you are. What kind of, what's the other grandpa going to say about this? What, what's, what, you're never going to be allowed to hold the boy anymore. These things happen so fast, don't they? It's like the four people in the car coming towards St. Albans. And two of them were killed on Thursday afternoon. Anybody hear about that on Route 60? Don, I remember when you were in a bad accident on that same road, just a little ways up the road, weren't you? Life is so fragile. It happens so fast. Oftentimes, it takes something like that to get us to think, what am I doing here? What kind of legacy am I going to leave? What's going to really matter? You know, I read part of a journal this guy wrote. <clears throat> he was on death row. He was on death row, and he kept a journal. And the closer he got to it, the less he wrote. But his, his sister published this journal. And here's what he said, one of his last entries. When your warrant, your death warrant, gets signed, so many things become trivial. I've already thrown or given away 95% of my personal property, the stuff that for years seemed so important, all those great books I'll never get to read, reams and reams of legal work I've been dragging around and studying for de two decades and which has suddenly lost its relevance. 
My magazines and newspapers stack up unread. I have little appetite to waste valuable, irreplaceable hours reading up on current events. Does it really matter to me now what's happening in the Middle East or on Wall Street or how my Miami Dolphins are looking for the upcoming new season? What's the point? Ditto the TV. I'm uninterested in wasting time watching programs that now mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. The other day, I caught myself reaching for my daily vitamin. Really? I wondered as the absurdity of it hit me. Likewise, after 40 years of working out religiously, that's out the window now. Again, what's the point? Just like this man, just like Solomon, just like Macbeth, maybe just like you, you realize that unless someone gives meaning to your life, life is really meaningless. I mean, how many of you remember your great-great-grandparents? Not many of us. Maybe the stories, but we didn't know them. And in 100 years or 200 years, nobody's really going to remember you or me unless there is a God and we live eternally with him. So what, does life have meaning? Yeah, it does because there is a God and we will live forever. And so faith matters. Your relationship with God matters. Family matters. Not a whole lot of other things really make the list. Your life has meaning. Help someone this week understand that. Let's pray. God, thank you for your, your word. Thank you for your life, the life of your son that showed us, that reminded us, that taught us that, that you, you are alive. You do exist, and you give meaning to our lives. We're here not to pursue our own desires and to do our own thing, but to live for you and to make an impact that will live beyond our lives. Who knows, but that our life might somehow in some way make a positive impact four or five generations from now to our great, great grandchildren and they might live for you as a result of us living for you. Hear my prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to come talk to me about your next step in your journey of faith, come talk to me as we sing. Let's stand and close out with this song.